Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we have a chat with Ted Irvin, former NHLer and teammate of Rod Gilbert on the New York Rangers. For parts of six seasons, Gilbert passed away this past week at the age of 80. A great chat with Ted about the life and times of Mr. Ranger coming up on the podcast. Over the weekend, Sunday, uh, the hockey world lost Rod Gilbert, who passed away at the age of 80. Mr. Ranger spent his entire NHL career, over 1,000 games with the Rangers, over 1,000 points. And one of his teammates is Ted Irvin, who has contributed to our Jets coverage here on CJOB. And Ted joins us now. Ted, uh, welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us tonight. Nice to connect with you, Christian. Yes, we don't need to tell all the people about the planes, trains, and automobiles that you've been uh, dealing with the last couple of days. But uh, yep. let, let's just start with uh, Rod Gilbert. Tell me about what he was like as a teammate. Uh, Rod was, was like a, a movie star in New York. When I first met him, I was traded from uh, Los Angeles, New York, and they put me in a hotel downtown, and Rod Gilbert and uh, Bobby Nevin took me to practice for that first week, and that's where I started to get to know him. And fortunately or unfortunately, after the practice, I'd go with him after for uh, lunch and a beer maybe, and he was so well-known. It was intimidating. He was in, he was a, in great shape, unbelievable dresser, but he had a personality off the ice that people were just attracted to him. Rod loved the game of hockey. He grew up with played hockey with his best friend, John Rattel. And when he got to Madison Square Garden, that whole town was Rod's oyster. I mean, he, he couldn't do anything wrong in that city. So he's very intimidating. But over the number, number, number of years I've known Rod and played with him, he's just such a class guy. As a teammate, he always made you feel welcome. He made you feel important. He was fun. He was teased. And he, Rod wasn't a big guy. He was in great shape, an unbelievable shape. But in those days, especially the six-team league, I mean, there's one line, you know, like especially with John Rattel and Rod Gilbert, the other team could always put the biggest and toughest guys out against, and Rod still survived. So I admired Rod on the ice, but I learned more about him off the ice as a teammate and what he did for charity and how he he loved New York City. He was New York. And he was part of a line called the gag line, the goal of game line with Rattel and Vic Hadfield. And part of a time when, yeah, there was there were more goals probably scored in the NHL in the 70s than there are in today's game. But, I mean, you look at his numbers, and he's scoring 29, 28, 30, 43, 25, 36, 36, 36 goals per game. Just a remarkably consistent hockey player on the ice. No doubt about it. And the key was uh, him and John Rattel played together all the way through junior and that. And then when you got into – you know, the NHL, they could check him in that. He was very, very good in the power play. But when they put Vic on the line, Vic was one of the, at that time one of the toughest guys in the NHL and not really a great, great goal scorer, but a goal scorer. When that line was put together, it was magic because Rod got more room on the ice and Vic turned into a goal scorer too. And so the line itself had toughness. And Jean Rattel, who was the Jean Bellevo of the NHL for, for me uh, in New York, and then had Rocky and Rod. Even though he wasn't a big guy, he could score goals. He was quick. He released the puck, and he wasn't afraid to go into the small corners in front of the net. 
But he was smooth. He was never cocky on the ice. He scored a goal. He scored a goal. Not a lot of reaction. When that line clicked, it was so much fun to work because they were moving all over the ice. And got to remember, in those days, we weren't allowed to go in, into center ice in the other wing and every ounce. It was straight up and down your wing. And, and so, you know, players knew where you were going. Now, Rob was a goal scorer. He had great years there. And uh, like I say, over 1,000 points there, goals. And uh, as a, we relied on him, especially in the playoffs. And that line was that one year was so, so magical, but it was all contributed to Vic right at the beginning of the year where he stood up for those guys, give them more room. And then they just, uh, Rod and Johnny were, you know, they've been together so long. They were just so smooth, but Rod could score goals. He was, uh, he could score from that, uh, you know, the circle there in close. He had a quick shot and he's really quick. And I guess the test of, for Rod and hockey is when he went to that Russian series, because that was rough, rough, dirty hockey. And Rod had to work hard to stay on that team and he fit in. Uh, he loved the game of hockey. That was the biggest thing he ever knew about Rod. He loved practice. He loved the game. And he also loved life off the ice. And New York City was, like I say, he just, he fit in so perfectly. What was it like to be a hockey player in New York in the 70s? It was a team that hadn't won the cup since 1940, wouldn't win the cup till 94. But in terms of just what it meant to be an athlete in such a big city, what was it like to be a hockey player in those days in New York City? Well, you, you know, as I look back at it now, it was actually mind-boggling because the pressure in New York at that time was so huge because everybody wants to beat the Big Apple, especially when the 12 teams came into the league and uh, you went on the road and didn't matter where you played, everybody wanted to spank you. And uh, so you had to pull together as a team. That's where a key of a guy like Rod Bear was. Rod was a team guy. So like we went to more restaurants and more golf things and more dinners and lunches. He had us going everywhere. He included all the things he did with the politicians, he, all the big athletes, you know, Rod included us all. So to play there, we had to stick together close as a team because fans are very tough in New York. We grew as a team, and where Rod was so strong, as Jean Rattel was, he made sure everybody in that hockey club knew what our role was, and he also made sure we were all congratulated and thanked after a game for doing our job. And Rod always said, you know, we yeah, we lost in 71-72, but to this day, the New York Ranger fans still bring us back. I've been back there four or five times because they say we're the best team that never won the Stanley Cup. That's when Johnny Rattel broke his ankle. So to play together, but we stuck together. Rod was key for that. I, I just remember I was down to see my son Chris and we were reminiscing about a bunch of stuff. We ended up that L.E. Fraser fight. I mean, that was the biggest thing in Madison Square Garden in New York. The, the, you know, the jewelry, the clothes, the pomp and circumstance. Rod made sure we were right there as a team. We ate in a special restaurant. He arranged it all. Then we all had limousines. He took us to the game right into Madison Square Garden. We were big shots. We were just we were floaters. We were hanging around with Rod. Eh? But he made sure we were included. But the big thing about Rod, too, with Vic Hadfield, those guys teased each other. Until I saw them a couple of years ago down at one of the at Vic's uh, sweater hanging. They had more fun together and respect together. Rod kept us together as a team, but he included us. Like I say, he was a star. He was like hanging around with a star. We were all floaters compared to him. But he made sure we were included. So to play in New York, to this day we go down there. You know, we were down last time, two years ago, they were yelling, old-timers stay, you know, Rangers go type thing. And, you know, we had a lot of respect. We didn't win it. It broke all our hearts to this day, especially for a guy like Neil Francis, our boss. He should have a ring more than anybody else in the NHL. Now, Rod was a good man, and he played hurt. He had the back operation, had a wicked scar in his back. He worked out very, very hard. But wherever we went, 
we went as a team, and Rod was the key veterans. We had to make sure that we were included in everything. Yeah, for those who don't know, when he was in junior hockey, he slipped on some garbage on the ice. He broke a vertebra in his back. A corrective surgery kind of went wrong and led to hemorrhaging in his leg. Doctors thought they might have to amputate, but they didn't. He recovered, had a second spinal fusion operation in uh, 65-66, and he ended up uh, getting the Masterton Trophy in 1976 for his perseverance over his back troubles. And, I mean, compared to modern medicine now, dealing with back issues in the 60s, I'm sure it was a lot different back then, wasn't it? No doubt about it. We just we just didn't have the training they did today. The medical staff and the doctors, our trainers, God love them, but you know they give us a ammonia sniffer and pull your tongue out if you're hurt. Even if you had a broken leg, they just didn't have the training in that. But Rod had to play through that. Yeah, like I say with Rod, you know he took a pounding. There's just no doubt about it. And but but he fought back. He fought back. He fought back, and it was good condition. You know, 18 years. But with Rod, when it quit, also he was Mister New York. He put more time into charities. I get the Ranger newsletter, and there's Rod. He did so much work for the inner city. He loved the town. He loved the game. He loved being a hockey player, and he just uh, he earned everything. They're talking about him now on the ice. Yes. You know, who's going to catch up to him points? I don't know if anybody ever will. But his role in that community, like he was talking about, he, he these are my fans and my family. I haven't met them all yet. And he was very respectful. And if you see him, he was also so well coiffed. His hair was this, his hair, his clothes and everything else. Like I say, if I look back at now, and I was hanging around with a uh, like a Hollywood star. He was going out with Hollywood girls at that time and everything else. And uh, But he just... He's one of those guys that fit into a city, was never going to leave, and the town loved him forever and ever. And did he he stayed in New York after his playing career, did he not? No doubt about it. No doubt about it. He wasn't going anywhere. And, and Glenn Sather and the staff in New York made sure he was there because Eddie Jackman was very, very key to us too, because eh? he was Eddie, Eddie, Eddie. He was a, a big hockey hero at uh, Madison Square Garden. Uh, but Rod ended up to be Mr. Hockey there. Eddie lives in Detroit, but Rod ended up there. But like I say, he earned the right there. He was behind the scenes, but he was at so many functions. You asked Rod to be somewhere, and he would be there. You needed something from him. You need tickets. You need this, an autograph, or just for him to hang out and talk to people, Rod was there. So it was more than just the hockey. If, if I look back at it, I've never met a guy who loved the game as much as he did, on the ice and off the ice. And it was the New York Rangers. He loved them, you know, forever and ever. All many. He always told me his first year he could hardly speak English. He went down to Florida. He told the girls on the beach he was a ranger. And they asked him, you know, does he work in the park and uh, shoot bears? He, you know, he, he just loved the rangers. And key key for him was that whole community, the staff. And he was never boisterous. He was never out front yapping. He was just behind the scenes doing his job, and he was fun to be around. He made you feel so good. I was down there two years ago, and he comes up to you, and my nickname with the Rangers because of Pete Stemkowski and being Polish-Ukrainian was Toshku. And Rod could never pronounce it right. It was a hey, Tuska, Tuska. He'd give you the biggest handshake. My son, Chris, used to wrestle at the garden, and they'd see each other, and the wives are there sometimes. And Chris called me one day. He says, why does Rod Gilbert always kiss my wife's hand? I says, that's Rod. He's Mr. Class. He kisses all the wife's hands. He just had that little extra. And he was just smiling, bubbly, and... Uh, I mean, I reminisce, I got three pages of notes on him, the restaurants he took us to, and it was just, uh, and we were treated royally because of Rod Gilbert. Sounds like he was just handcrafted perfect for Broadway. 
Christian, that's probably one of the best thing the way, I, the way you just said, the handcrafted Broadway. Yes, automatic. I wish I would have said that myself. It was just Broadway, the movie stars, the actors, the game, and he took it seriously. He made good money. I remember when they brought Larry Popeil in there and he, they benched him. And well, Rod couldn't handle that at all. He went to see Emil Francis and Emil Francis shut up and go back and play. You're playing for a different coach now. And Rod had to pull up his bootstraps and get to play again and he just work harder and harder. But yeah, he was, uh, he was tugged so many different ways, but he fit in perfectly. That was when he left Canada, New York was his home forever and ever. Amen. Well, I got you here, Ted. Uh, I'll ask you about the Winnipeg Jets and the offseason they've had. I'm sure you've been paying attention. What do you think of uh, the additions they've made on the blue line? You know, I was really happy that I think, you know, how I feel about that. You know, I just, I mean, Tampa showed us. Uh, you, you need some size. You need some guys. I, I like what they did. I like the guys came here. I think it's going to make more. I, I'm hoping now Morris, he can find his level again where he was a couple of years ago. He doesn't do have, to, have to do all the jobs. Pionk will survive a lot better. I liked it as a, as a collectively, I, I think Winnipeg and Sheveldayoff, it's not easy to bring players. I think they got two quality guys that want to play. They don't have to shoot the lights out, but they got some size and they got ability. And I think it's going to be in the best, best out of some of these other young guys. And no, I liked it I, because uh, I, I think for years the Jets were this, you know, buy and hold and let guys develop. Nowadays, you got to go for it right away. And I think they got two good guys that are coming here, and I'm anxious to see them play because I think it's going to make Morrissey and Pion better, better players. I would agree with that. Ted Irvin, appreciate your time. Thanks for this, and uh, enjoy the rest of your summer. I will. Nice talking to you again. That is Ted Irvin. He is a former NHLer, played 724 games, including a number of seasons, seven or six in total with the Rangers, parts of seven or six. He got traded during the 1969-70 season where he was a teammate of Rod Gilbert, the great Ranger, Mr. Ranger himself, who passed away this past week at the age of 80. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m., of course, that is when the Jets are not playing, because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage. Anyway, thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell, until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you over the day. You may not share our intellect, which might explain your